Welcome to the Black Belter Podcast. This is episode 53. This week's guest is Kieran Davern, and Kieran is a Brazilian Jiu Jitsu black belt under John Kavanagh. Kieran has experience in a number of martial arts, such as kickboxing, karate, as well as fights as a pro in MMA. He now competes in some of the world's biggest BJJ events, like Polaris on UFC Fight Pass and the ADCC grappling competition, which is recognised as the premier grappling event in the world. Kieran is also the head coach and owner of SPG Tullamore which is a fantastic facility in the Midlands of Ireland. And Kieran shares the fantastic story of how the gym has grown from a small way of making a few quid to help fund his training to the excellent facility he has now. Today I chat to Kieran about how he got started in martial arts, his competitive journey in BJJ and MMA, opening the gym and getting his black belt. Make sure to like, share and subscribe and hope you enjoy. All right, so what's up Kieran? How's things? Thanks for How are you getting on? Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm all good. I'm all good. And uh, it's like you're saying, how's your own training going around COVID and that? Like, you still managed to get some in there? Still able to, uh, like, keep training. Obviously, it's a bit different as regards, like, you know, like having, you know, before COVID, obviously, you'd have as many training partners as you want and you're kind of spiked for choice, do you know what I mean? But um, just kind of just kind of getting on with it or getting on with it and, and uh, you know, doing whatever I can to stay fit and stay in shape and I'm competing in a few weeks' time. Uh, just just in around a month's time, so uh, trying to get ready for that, and uh, just do do anything I can just to stay in shape and you know and stay sharp and that. But um, I've been training years, so like it's in the muscle memory and that. So it's just keeping the mind sharp and keeping the body right, and you know eventually just going out and doing my thing. Yeah, you you competed a couple of weeks back as well, didn't you? Was it last week, two weeks ago? Uh, two weeks ago on uh, Polaris over in uh, in the UK. So um, yeah, I'm back on a on a another another big show on a. Uh, a month's time, I can't. Um, I have to wait for them to announce it before I announce it. But uh, yeah, it's a big, it's a big one, and it's and it's exciting. So uh, I can't. I'm just, I'm just grateful just to be able to compete. You know what I mean? With everything that's going on, because obviously, um, sure, like yourself and everyone else, like everyone had plans at the beginning of the year, and this was going to be my year. And you know, same, same with everyone else. And I had, I had a lot of uh, competitions mapped out, and that was sure. Obviously, uh, things, things changed, and that. But I'm just grateful to be able to compete on a couple of big shows, and and. Uh, close out the the year kind of like i suppose like a as positive as i can for myself do you know what i mean uh, considering what, everything that's going on yeah that's one thing for us like in this in the, in all, this whole roadmap that's been presented and, and restrictions and that is for, for us there's actually no stage and no level where we actually get to go back competing so okay all right that's, that's one of the challenges so like it was a constantly just i suppose getting, getting back to training i suppose is the first thing and lo- looking at yeah when, when do we actually get, get to compete like because how long is this going to be like yeah how, how long is this whole levels thing going to carry on for like who who knows yeah uh, who knows like the and with myself and i've been away like with a few competitions as regards like a few that i was coaching a few weeks ago uh in milan a few of the lads were fighting on bellator um mm. So like, and then obviously I was competing on Polaris a few weeks ago as well, <clears throat> but they're kind of like big shows, you know, well, they're, they're big for MMA and big for Jiu-Jitsu and that type of stuff. So it's only kind of like the real big shows going ahead. Like, you know, as far as I can see anyway, you know, the UFC, Bellator and this type of stuff. So, because <clears throat> the money isn't in it for the, for the smaller shows to be able to, you know, like put, like put like, or spend extra money on restrictions and, you know, diff- different things that have to be in place, like COVID tests and all this kind of stuff. When we were at Bellator, we were um, we were like tested. We were brought to a hotel. We were uh, we had to isolate in our room for twenty four hours. We weren't allowed to leave the room, <clears throat> and uh, that was just after getting our first COVID test. 
And then, like, uh, after 24 hours, when we got a result, we were allowed around the hotel where everyone else has been tested, but, um, but like, not allowed really outside the hotel, you know. Mm. And then uh, before we went home, then we were tested again. So you'd imagine, like, keeping fighters and coaches not in a hotel, it costs, like, huge money. So it's only kind of like the big, the big shows are in a position to be able to do that. Yeah. And in the shows as well, that can afford to not have a crowd, I suppose. Like, because, you know, any any small show needs the crowd to make money. 100%. Like, Bellator, yeah. UFC, and that, like, they don't need the crowd, I suppose, as much as... as they, they, they make their money, I think, through, like, sponsorship and, like, TV deals and that. So it's kind of like a different business model compared to your <clears throat> local show in a GA hall or a hotel. Yeah. And then, like, for the Polaris show, was <clears throat> what was that like, having no crowd? I kind of enjoyed it, to be honest with you. Um, like, don't get me wrong, I, I feed off the crowd, you know, like anyone else. Like, when the crowd is there, like, if you're in, like if you're in a bad, um, you know, if you're in a bad position or maybe you're tired and there's, like, 60 seconds left and, you know, you hear the crowd and that, and that gives you, like, a, a push in that. But I suppose just because I've been, like, competing and, you know, training and that so long, I'm kind of used to it now. And it's, for me, it's kind of like a, you know, I have a goal to achieve, whether, whether there's, a, there's a crowd there or not, you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, just just felt like kind of an intense training session in the gym, in a sense. You know, we were like because you know there was they had cameras and obviously that like for UFC fight pass and that. But when you're in the moment and that, you're just literally just thinking about trying to get the win and doing everything you can. You know, but um, yeah, no, I I kind of enjoyed it. Obviously, I can't wait for crowds and that to come back. But yeah. I'm just like like I said, I'm just grateful just to be able to compete. You know, I can I'd, I'd I'd roll around the field there if I, if I if I had the chance and there was you know people betting on it or watching it. You know, so. Was that was that the first time you'd fought in that kind of team format? That was that was used for that one. First first time doing a team format. Um, like I think there was like one other big show that I know that's that's done it. It's a, they're called Quintet. Uh, the founders from Japan. He kind of runs it like a like they've done it in Japan and they've done it like in Las Vegas and they've got like a few big names on the show. So it was basically I think it was inspired by that show. So then uh, Polaris kind of uh, put their own twist on it. So there was like eight lads on the team, uh, four lads under seventy five kilos and four lads under 95 kilos uh, from England and Ireland uh, versus Europe. And uh, basically, it's kind of like a winner stays on, but then there's like different rules. Like you can sub someone off and you get like two subs and a half and there's two 40-minute halves and uh, there's a running clock for 40 minutes and there's a break and then a running clock again for 40 minutes. It's basically, you, like when there's a submission, then you, you rack up points and that type of stuff. So it was a cool format and it was like, a, you know, like I didn't feel, I didn't feel like, that much pressure obviously you've, you've like said the, the the pressure that you you need to do well and you know the feelings that come with competing and that type of stuff but it was very it was a lot more um it was a lot more of a team feel which is cool because you don't really get that when you're doing obviously individual sports you do when you're preparing for competitions and that but when you're when you're actually out there you're out there on your own do you know what I mean so it's nice to be able to uh, have seven other lads there kind of like you know pushing you on and you know m like you see them doing well or whatever you, you know you're, you're obviously getting behind them so it was nice to kind of experience that because I haven't really experienced uh, team sports since I was kind of like younger obviously I played like a bit of like you know played soccer and GA and that type of stuff but uh, I obviously, obviously haven't felt that like in, in a good few years so yeah it was it was, uh, it was different and it was fresh and you know uh, so you know I, I really enjoyed it yeah like you said as well like it's <clears throat> you're competing individual so you're competing for yourself and if you lose you, yeah. know, you, you yourself it's lost. on you Whereas, you know, there's yeah. question where you don't want to let the rest of the team down, which adds that feel. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you can get to win for the team, then you kind of, it, it, it's a different feel to winning. It's a different feel. Yeah, you're right. And it's a lot, it's a lot like that as well. It's where like, uh, you, like you want to do, you want to win for the team and you don't want to be, you don't want to lose either for the team. Cause it's, you know what I mean? Cause like if you, if you, 
if you get caught in a submission or something like that, the way the rules is, your team loses points or, or the other team gains points, you know, kind of like a like a football match or a soccer match or something. Um, but yeah, no, but like, I, I had a great time, especially like with all, all the, the lads on, on the team and, that, and even the other team, like Team Europe, they're all like high level lads and just to be able to compete alongside them and against them, that is like, you know, it's uh, it's deadly, especially from when you kind of look at your first day of walking in the gym and then you get to compete against some of these lads that are probably black belts longer than I'm training, you know, which is which is cool as well. Yeah. So like, <clears throat> I know you mentioned you played sports, but when did it, when did the martial arts, when did you start jiu-jitsu, when did you start training in martial arts, where did that kind of journey begin? Uh, martial arts started from seven years of age. Uh, I kind of grew up in London for, for a few years with my, my parents and that. Like, um, my there wasn't much, much work in Ireland, so my dad and my mother moved to uh, moved to London. You know, like a lot of Irish families in that years ago, we were over there for about ten or eleven years. Um, my dad was mad into like a, you know, he did kickboxing and uh, like Shotokan karate and you know whatever was around at the time and that type of stuff. And our house was kind of the flat that we lived in in London was like full of like nunchucks up on the wall and samurai swords and. There was like Bruce Lee DVDs everywhere, you know, like Enter the Dragon and The Way of the Dragon, all these different DVDs. So Bloodsport and, you know, all the Van Damme movies and everything else. So we were kind of like, a, we were brought up like around martial arts. You know, my dad was always big into sport and martial arts and fitness and everything else. So seven years of age was my first uh, introduction to, uh, was karate I started. And then I went from karate to, I kind of kept doing karate, but I, I joined boxing. Uh, fairly young age, I was probably maybe eight or nine or something like that when I started boxing. And um, I trained with a lad called uh, uh, Clint McKenzie. He was uh, Duke McKenzie's uh, uh, brother. I don't know if you know him. He's a, he's a pro- yeah. professional boxer. I think one of them were in, in the Olympics as well. So I was very lucky that their house was literally like, or their gym was like two minutes away from <clears throat> where we were living in, in London. We were living in a place called Herne Hill. Um, yes, yeah, so we were very lucky that we were able to you know jump into his place. And then we moved back to Ireland. Kind of went away from it for a while. You know, played soccer, GA. You know, did, did the kind of usual thing you do in your teenage years, and that. And then in my later teenage years, then I, I got I started back boxing, and then uh, went back or joined kickboxing. Uh, got you know got my black belt in kickboxing, and at the same time when I was kind of doing uh, kickboxing, I, I found MMA. So I found MMA and jiu-jitsu around like say twenty years of age. That's about uh, about thirteen years ago, or twelve, thirteen years ago. Or so it was like twenty twenty one when I when I when I started it, and uh, yeah, trained MMA and fought MMA, and then just kind of like uh, fell, fell in love with jiu-jitsu and um, that's it. You know, obviously I have the gym my own where where we do MMA and kickboxing, wrestling, and jiu-jitsu and that. So um, and I managed to kind of like uh, build a little bit of a career for myself out of uh, um, doing jiu-jitsu. You know, coaching it and, and competing in it. So that's how it all started. Yeah. And so, like, would you have to do? Did you always compete, like, even in karate or kickboxing? Were you always competing in martial arts? Even uh, I, to be honest with you, at, at a young age, we, there, I wasn't really competing uh, too much. You know, it'd be like just your your local, not not major or anything like that. You know, you'd have like kind of just like different in-house type of tournaments and that. You know, nothing too, uh, you know, not too intense or anything like that. But when I got um, into like say kickboxing and that, that's when I started to compete at like you know the Irish Open and. And that type of stuff in, in City West and, uh, and then obviously found Jiu-Jitsu and MMA and then from there like from there then I, I just like that's how I kind of learned how to compete I suppose you know and obviously I've, I played soccer at a decent enough level when I was younger and you know played football and all that type of stuff so I was competing but it's not the same you're competing like a, with a team but um, it's probably the last 10, 10 plus years you know where I've learned learned how to compete you know I've learned what works for me and what doesn't work for me and I kind of 
um, you know, I suppose like if if you you know you you learn from you you learn from your wins, but you learn more from your losses and that. I know that sounds cliche and that, but I've kind of I've made as many mistakes as possible, and I kind of think I have the right formula now. Now I don't have it perfected or anything like that, but um, I, I I you know I know the way my mindset should be. You know, a few weeks out, a few months out, or whatever else. I know how my body should feel. I should know. You know, I'm aware of all the feelings that you should have before competition, during a competition, and, and all that. I've just done it so many times now, where I kind of it's just it's just a part of it. You know, I, I kind of whenever I feel those like feelings that you get before a competition, now I just kind of smile and I embrace it. I'm like, all right, it's go time. You know, and uh, yeah, I've just learned learned how to compete. You know, because I think there's a difference with learning how to you know, fight or, or you know, the, use use the skills that you have, whether it's through striking or grappling or, or MMA or whatever, but there's a difference then putting it together under the lights. I think that's a skill that has to be developed either from like a young age or, or you can obviously develop it just by competing uh, whenever you do start competing. Uh, some people say some kids are born with it and that maybe they are, I'm not, I'm not too sure, but um, I don't think I, I don't think I was born with it. I always loved, loved uh, competing, especially like I said, whether it was through sports and that. But um, team or individual sports, and I really had to find like a. I really had to find a way that suits suits me and my style and my mindset and everything else. And I think I've found that. Yeah, it's and it can be very much. It's I find throughout my time competing like that. It's it's been trial and error. Like yeah, it's, it's only when you kind of look back about like, like when you're in the moment, you don't realize like oh my mindset is bad right now. You know what I mean? It's when you look yeah, hundred percent. You yeah. need to look back and you kind of go, do you know what actually? Maybe my mindset wasn't in the right place there, and then you, then you can yeah. make adjustments. So it's like it's it's like that. It's trial and error. You don't know in the moment. You, can only, you have to yeah. go through process, go through the, the bad mindset to get to a better place. Yeah, exactly. And and I just just while you're saying that, I was actually thinking like um like when I was I I fought like uh probably 2010. I think it was 2010, 2011. I think 2010 maybe, and uh, it was at a, a big enough show in, in the King's Hall in Belfast. It was called a Cage Contender. They're on Santa Sports, and I think they had like maybe a, a deal with Sky Sports as well, or something at the time. But definitely Santa Sports anyway. And uh, there was big enough crowds at the venue and everything. It was like two and a half thousand in hold, so it was a big enough show, especially for the, the the level I was at at the time competing at that show. And I'm not saying it was at like high level or anything like that. If anything, it was probably a little bit rushed or you know or, or whatever else. But um, I, I just remember before I used to walk out. It was like the mindset of like nearly like being angry was going to get me better, you know. Like my coach would like slap me in the face and this type of stuff. And it's over. It's over. Like that didn't work for me, you know. I didn't win the fight or anything like that, so it didn't work for me. But it's only over the years that I realized that for me with competition, it's like I like to be calm, you know. I like to be, you know, clear-minded. I like like no emotion, you know. And I had to kind of find that for myself. Like so, instead of having music that kind of like you know, before competition that like amps you up and has you like, you know, like, like pumps you up, like for training and that, that's great. And I don't mind that, you know, or if I'm doing like a strength and conditioning workout, I don't mind that. But when it comes to actual competing, I like to be kind of more mellow or more, more kind of like, you know, uh, level than like ramped up or even, or even too dialed down. So I kind of know, I know the feeling that, or I know the frequency that I should be at. So I don't want to be too dialed down. I don't want to be too ramped up. So I kind of have that perfect kind of uh, balance now I feel for myself, you know, where I'm just like literally focused on the task that I have or the job that I have to do. And I, and you know, I have the, the, the confidence in that in my training and everything over the years and, you know, my preparation leading up to competitions and that. So I just kind of trust in the preparation and, and I know where my mind should be. But uh, to kind of cut a long story short, years ago, it was the other way around. It was like, you know, like listening to, I don't know, 
mad rap music or heavy metal music and then getting slapped in the face before you get walk out and have a cage fight. You know, and sure, that wasn't the mentality that worked for me, but I had to go through that to, to find that. Yeah. Well, it's bad because they like like that. That works, like you said. That works for you, but then there's like you said, yeah, there's the yeah, other people, yeah. there's the other people who need the slap in the face and love the yeah, exactly, the yeah. Music. yeah. yeah. Now, sometimes I might slap myself in the face if I felt like I was too dialed down. You know, what I mean, give yourself a slap and say, right, now it's go time. But uh, don't let anyone else slap you in the face. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's plenty of time for that in the cage, I suppose. You know, plenty of time for that, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so then like uh, how long were you training in MMA before you started fighting because I, I like am I right you had mostly professional fights yeah we were kind of we were kind of tra- it was a bit different back in the day it was kind of like uh, we were only training a couple of years might have been training like a year or two before it was like uh, do you want to do you want to do a pro fight and then like you'd have to jump in and do a pro fight someone had to be like six and one or five, eight and two or something like this and you'd be like zero and zero or zero and one like you know fighting these lads and then like you you do like a few pro fights and then it's, it was different back in the day in the sense that like they, they used to do it in class or classes. It was like A class, B class, C class. So similar in the way like uh, Thai boxing and that is done now. So like A class back in the day was basically five minute rounds with elbows. B class was four minute rounds without elbows. Both of them you could wear pro gloves. And uh, C class was big, bigger gloves, which were seven ounce gloves with uh, no, no elbows. And then it was a different kind of form of C class. Like in the North, you used to be able to like, they used to have maybe like a, you weren't allowed to strike in the ground and then maybe down the south you're allowed to strike in the ground and then different promotions that have different things so one week you'd be doing like a, a pro fight and then a couple of weeks there you could be doing a, a, like a semi-pro fight and then it could be like an amateur fight and then you'd be pegged back in at pro so there was no kind of back in the day for me at least or, or any lads I kind of started out with, with there was no kind of a there was no path obviously to the UFC or or, or we, we didn't even know you could make a career out. we were just doing it just to you know, just to learn how to defend ourselves. And then, you know, you train so much and then you're like, right, there's a fight. Do you want to take it? You know, and, and your coach back in the day, be kind of like, right, there's six lads training the gym. You do fairly well, but the lads in the gym, right, you can fight. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that was, that, was the, that was the mentality in that. But look, I, I've, I've learned a lot from, you know, from, from I think all the, all, the, all the lessons I've gone through has made me like a better coach and a better competitor, you know, because we, we've, we've made all the mistakes from like taking silly fights to, uh, cutting weight wrong like cutting weight back in the day was like ridiculous the way we do it. we used to do it we used to like get into a sauna and like sit there for like hours like to cut like 9 kilos so I walked into a, a sauna before at 86 kilos this is the truth on a Thursday night or a Thursday, Thursday evening and uh, I had to make 77 the next day you know and I did it and it was bad like 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 it's it's a bit of a horror story in that but i made the weight but that didn't mean that i performed or you know performed optimally or you know anything like that so we've made all the mistakes and we're and obviously we're very lucky now to work with good diet nutritionists and lads that know know how to weight cut and everything else so but um yeah i think just you know, there's some lads you know i think like any sport and that you just have to you know you have to kind of figure out what works and, and what doesn't work and, and mma and jiu-jitsu is fairly new to like the mainstream especially in ireland that like mcgregor's kind of been the person that's you know kind of pushed it on to the, the mainstream and that so it's been it's a fairly new sport like ufc one was 1993 so there's still there's still a lot of figuring out in that to do whereas like uh, with the likes of boxing and that like it's and wrestling it's kind of been around at like the beginning of time yeah you know like that yeah it's it... It seems at this stage like MMA or like the UFC has been around for so long, but when you compare it to like like how long like has like how long have they been playing top level like soccer in in England like you know yeah. like the Premier League as such, but you go back like the first division like like when you look at like how 
like other sport compared to other sports, it's like it's yeah, so, it's still so new. But just like even like uh, the likes of like England, like what what did they win the World Cup in '66 or something? Yeah, exactly. You know, so. and and they're still going on about, but um, <laughs> but like if you look at if you look at like UFC one, that was in 1993. So there's obviously a big difference there. Like it's fair. Like 1993 isn't isn't that long ago. Like um, like I I was first kind of introduced into or introduced to MMA. Uh, as a, as a young lad, just come home from school and I'd be like doing my homework and that, sitting beside the fire, and uh, I like we'd have like extreme sports and Bravo on 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 the telly. You know, grew up in a council estate and that, and meant meant to be doing my my homework and that, and I'd like stick on like it was to me it was cage fighting at the time. You know, I didn't really know much about MMA or anything like this, and uh, I just watched the lads fight like say on in the early UFCs, and I'd watch like say a few that there was like a few local shows that was on. Uh, or like UK shows that would have been on like uh, extreme sports and I kind of watch it and then I'd, I'd look at the lads like say fighting and that and I just thought you know you kind of look up to them a bit you thought they were in good shape and they were tough and they knew how to fight and knew how to handle themselves and for me then it was just kind of like you know I'd, I'd really like to get back into martial arts and that or, or even even like commit to it fully um, you know just to kind of learn how to defend yourself and, and for something to do you know, and that was it, and that's that's kind of probably the reason why I, I, I kind of picked back up on, on you know jujitsu and kickboxing and everything else. Just kind of inspired by just watching, you know, fighters doing their thing, and for some reason it just kind of like clicked with me. Yeah, I think that's nearly how most people nearly came across it, like nearly stumbled across it, just flicking through the channel. Stumbled like, across it, yeah. What, what's, yeah. It, what's this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember even though like one of the big things that got like got me interested this was in in MMA or even the UFC was I ended up getting the. Like that, I'd, I'd seen some bits, like I said, on Bravo and things like that, but I ended up getting, yeah. like, I got the like UFC undisputed uh, PlayStation game. So that's where I heard of most of the fighters and they're playing. And that's, <laughs> that's what piqued the big interest. But I wouldn't mind yeah. what even got me there was, I think, I think it was Brock Lesnar was on the front. So Brock Lesnar, obviously, I, I'd heard yeah, from yeah. the kid and was as I knew him from the WWE. So like, that's what even kind of got me more interested yeah. in buying the game was because uh, Brock Lesnar, you know, so. Mm. And you kind of just... it shows you that that works, doesn't it? It shows you like about like them introducing like stars like Brock Brock Lesnar and that it does bring more eyes to the sport and a different audience to the sport. So I suppose that's I suppose that's why you know they brought him in at the beginning. Obviously, he looks the part and everything else, and he's the personality in that. But he brings in a different audience. You know, I suppose they were trying to do the same thing a few years ago with like CM Punk, but uh, it obviously didn't work because yeah. you know they probably they probably they obviously rushed him a bit and everything else, but uh, they were trying to do trying to do the same thing. They tried to do with James Tony as well, where they, they, he fought um, Randy Couture. You know, so they were kind of building up the boxer versus the MMA fighter thing and and that type of stuff. Yeah, so like, when did you come across then to John Kavanagh and training training under under John? I, so I, I yeah, I first found I first found out about John was like uh, I was literally like back in the day when you had to like wait ten minutes to Google something on the internet. Um, I, I found like literally two places in Ireland that did like jujitsu and MMA, and I and I seen I, I seen jujitsu obviously um, from like say watching the UFC and MMA and everything else, and I kind of I googled I googled like I said MMA gyms and I found one in Newry, uh, and I found one in Dublin. So Dublin was John Kavanagh's and the other one in Newry. Can't remember the name of the one in Newry, but it was two that came up, and that's all I could find. And um, so then I, I was like, right, I have to I have to get to to Dublin to train. So then um, I was doing kickboxing and everything at the time, and they, I managed to get a number actually off my kickboxing coach of a lad that trained with John Cavanagh. His name was John Ging. He ended up being my first um, MMA and jiu-jitsu coach. 
So my my old kickboxing coach gave me the a number of a lad that does like just a bit of training with Max in a hall in Port Leash, and he trained under John Cavan and fought under John and that. So um, basically, I, I knocked on the door of a, or I texted him, and he said, "Yeah, call over." You know, I texted him, asked about training, called over. There were six or seven lads like uh, kicking the shit out of each other, listening to some heavy metal music in a mockery hall in Port Leash with some dodgy mats and no lights in the toilets and. Whatever, I got the shite by me in the first night and the rest of the nights after that, and I just kept going back. But um, cut a long story short, I got I was addicted. I was addicted to it straight away. You know, I really wanted to learn how to, you know, figure out this jujitsu stuff and this wrestling and and how to like uh, incorporate it, like with striking and everything else. And I was just hooked straight away. You know, so it was just for me. It was like when I was younger, and I was always like a little bit rough, as in I'd be mean, wrestling with my friends, and you know, I'd be a little bit, you know, just a little bit rough around. You know, as in I didn't mind getting into like into fights or getting dirty or you know getting covered in muck type thing so just typical young lad but um yeah so then my my old coach john ging was basically saying look i'm training up in in john cabinets now if you want to come up and and you know get some extra training then do so we drove up there a couple of nights a week um in long mile road and i i trained with john for i think it was like it was a maybe six six to six months to a year or something like that give or take somewhere in between that and uh, I was working at the time, so I w- and I'd come home from John's, and I was working on a building site. I was doing an apprenticeship as a as a bricklayer, and um, I'd come home and eat, or I'd come home at night after training in cabinet space, and it'd be like half twelve at night, and then I'd have to get up for work in the morning, at like at half six, seven o'clock in the morning, to go out to a building site and lay bricks and that. So it got a little bit tough to kind of keep it going. So my old coach kind of had like a, a bit of an affiliation then with SPG, and then we we go up, we do drop ins during the day whenever we could, and so on, and. Then it got to a stage where I felt that, like, um, you know, I wanted to pursue this full time and that. And uh, it's probably like 2000 and maybe 11, 10, 11 or something like that. Maybe, maybe 11 or something. And uh, I, I decided to just go train with John full time. And, and I did the, just jumped in on the pro sessions and was training with the MMA team and the Jiu Jitsu team. And then I've obviously got my, my belts and that off John and got my black belt two years ago off him. And uh, yeah, so the, the rest is history. We kind of uh, opened up our own school, SBG Tullamore, which is an affiliate, obviously, of a SBG uh, HQ and that. So um, yeah, so that's that's the that's the story in short. Yeah. And so did you move to Dublin then? From no, I, or did you up and down? Drove down, drove up and down every day, uh, or every every you know when I was when we were training during the day, we were up there four or five times a week during the day. It was just like a job. You know, so actually to, to go back a little bit, um, the time of the, the first or the last recession, I don't know, what was it, 2008 or nine or something like that, that lasted for a couple of years. So basically we got let go from work. We were working. I, I, I finished my trade as a bricklayer, got my papers and that. My dad wanted me to do it when I, when I left school. He wanted me to get some type of, you know, trade underneath me. He was a, he was a builder. Um, and uh, then basically like uh, when, when we all got let go from work, we just for me it was just like right now I'm going to pursue training full time and I ended up training with John up in Dublin during the day and then uh, I eventually opened up my own club which, which was literally only just to make me a couple of quid just to be able to drive up and down to Dublin uh, like buy the bare food and, and pay my membership in the gym and that up in Dublin and just kind of I didn't even know where I was going with I just I just knew I loved training and this is what I wanted to do you know what I mean I didn't have like a, a plan mapped out in my head or or anything like this. Obviously, now the, the plan is a little bit more, um, I know where I'm going, or, I, or at least I know where I want to go. You know, but, but back then I was just training because I really enjoyed it, and I was just seeing, you know, seeing small improvements each week and everything else. And, and then, uh, yeah, I opened my own gym to make a, 
make a few extra quid just to to, uh, to survive, you know, and just get by and that. And uh, then it just turned into something else. It turned into kind of what we have uh, today. We've like a you know like a fitness fitness gym, and we've like MMA, Jiu Jitsu, kickboxing, you know, wrestling. We've a big kids program and everything else. Obviously, it's all uh, uh, kind of changed a little bit with COVID and that. But um, you know, we've a great facility. We've a cage in it and rock climbing wall, and you know, we've a hundred and I think we've just under two hundred meters of uh, mat space, and we, you know, we've, we've a CrossFit gym inside it and everything else. And that was all built. Um, that was all for me when I opened up the gym. That was started on the the back to work scheme. I got like a, I don't know, I think it was like fifty. I think I had about a thousand or fifteen hundred quid from the back to work scheme to help me get off the dole and that. And uh, yeah, and I op- I opened up the gym and that. I borrowed a few mats and then I built it from there. I bought a cage and bought kettlebells anytime I ran a fitness course or you know anytime anytime we did anything. I ever got like a little lump of money. Now, when I say a lump of money, like a few hundred quid or, or whatever you get, or maybe a thousand quid if you're lucky. And I always threw it back into the gym, and I still do to this day. So that's why even with everything that's going on at the moment, the the with the COVID, and obviously I'm not like obviously we're we're not in we're not in like a terrible position as in like I own all the equipment and I don't have any like loans or anything like that. Obviously we've bills and everything like you know insurance and rent and you know all that type of stuff. But I'm kind of lucky enough that I don't have a huge bank loan, and I, I built it from the the back to work scheme so I'm kind of like proud of where we where we've kind of brought it to you know and yeah it was Bessie Bessie on the dole after getting let go from work uh, after the recession and then opened up a gym with, uh, like Bessie during the recession and uh, when 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 I went to the lady in the in the enterprise board or social welfare place uh, and I told her about my idea about opening up an MMA gym and I tried to explain it to her she obviously did it. like no one even McGregor wasn't even on the scene at this stage yeah. you know and uh, so I, I, I basically told her to crack on that and she said, oh, look, you know, she basically said, no, you know, come back to me with another idea. And then I just said, look, just give, just trust me on this. Give me just one chance. And I promise you, promise you this is going to work. And I, and I basically just told her how it was and I told her why it was going to work and everything else. And, you know, I did, I'm at, I basically, I told her I was at rock bottom. I've nothing to lose. And look, I'm good at coaching and that. And I believe if you give me an opportunity, I'll, I'll, I'll make this be, you know, one of the biggest gyms or the biggest gym around the Midlands and so on. And, um, I never look back, you know, I haven't seen that lady since or ever, but I'd like to see her again and, you know, say thanks for giving me the opportunity. It was only 1,500 quid and it wasn't much to open up a gym, but that's all I needed. I just needed just just a little start, a little push, you know, and uh, yeah, and that's that's how it all came about. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's class. Just that, like you said, you just start the classes from just a couple of, uh, just to make a few quid to start and then going like through then to, to build that it. That was it. Up. There now. Yeah, it was, it was just to pay pay for my fees in Dublin and go up and down to Dublin and and be able to you know have a bit of food and whatever else. I didn't I didn't want I wasn't looking for you know anything else like you know obviously everyone wants nice things and that, but I was just happy just to be able to train and that. I just felt that when I was on the mats and still to this day when I'm on the mats and I'm training and that like there's I have no worries in the world you know I just that's that's my happy place that's where it all makes sense you know I really I really enjoy training I enjoy I, I enjoy training with other people I enjoy I enjoy coaching I love everything that comes with it it's just that's my reason why I get up in the morning obviously like my family and everything else but like as in my my own goals it, it's it's martial arts yeah uh, how do you find out I did balancing coaching with your own training do you find that having a full-time facility kind of helps that that you kind of have the days to, to like to make it easier to balance yeah um, I kind of, I've, like I'm very lucky that the lads that uh, that that I train with and I have like say training under me and that are like are very good with some with some high level lads that compete out of dream gym and coach and then I have some lads that have been training as long as I am that kind of train uh, train with me and that like a few brown belts and that and they started out with me and uh, like 
they're solid lads to have on the map. And I'm like, even a few of the older lads and that, they'd know, like, right, if, if Kieran has a competition coming up, uh, a lot of them would offer to take, like, classes and that for me. You know, so if I was a couple of weeks out or something like that, a lot of lads, like, they're very good. I have a great, great team in that behind me. So it's obviously, obviously uh, there's that saying you hear, it's a, it, it takes a village to, to raise a champion, you know, or, or, or whatever, you know. Um, so, that, yeah, I have a lot of good lads behind me that kind of that help out, as in they'll, they'll coach classes for me. Um, or they'll offer the coach classes for me, and then like I like lo- before COVID and that, like loads of different training partners, you know, high level lads, different shapes and sizes. Uh, so I'm very blessed with loads of mat space and that where we can train, you know, from morning to night. Like before COVID and that, we were down training at seven a.m. in the morning. Uh, this is kind of the way the routine was: seven a.m. in the morning, and uh, then it would be home, get a little bit of food. Sorry, seven thirty in the morning. Uh, go home, get a bit of food, and I'll be back in the gym. I'd coach at 11, and then I'd train then at 12, and then I'd go home, eat, study, and then go back down, coach again, and then train again. And then, uh, like, if I had another class to coach, I'd coach. And it was just, I was just always, I've just always been in it, like, the last few years, you know what I mean? I've just, like, I just, anything I do is either, like, recovering from my last session or preparing for my next session, whether that's true, like, uh, you know, just trying to get, a bit of rest or food or or it could be just like studying and taking notes and watching matches and watching fights and that type of stuff and you know trying to add stuff into my own game and you know trying to trying to add stuff into the lads game or you know uh, maybe like even just teaching content or you know different content to teach and and like we have a syllabus that we kind of we have in in our place and that so just having like you know um just having all my classes planned and that so i try to teach like a I tried to have like a, a, a class plan like the way teachers would in school, you know, and a lot of my coaches do that in the gym as well, where they'd, they'd write out that, you know, every, we'd all know the position that we're teaching each week and then we'd know the objective and that of the class and, you know, we'd always kind of bounce back and forward with each other. So, yeah, we've, we, I have a great team around me from, you know, from my from my training partners, the coaches in the gym to, you know, my own partner, Jamie, and that. So uh, I'm very lucky. I tell you that mate, it does make a difference, doesn't it, when you turn up with the plan already done. If you're kind of if you're teaching on the fly, sometimes it, it doesn't go so well. You need to have that. Yeah, hundred percent. Even like uh like if I if just say if I went to you know, if you're in a different country or you're in a different gym, maybe you're traveling somewhere and then someone says, Oh Kieran, you know, would you like to teach a class or here do you want to teach this class? And it's on the fly. Now I don't mind, I love teaching and that, but I'd way rather have I'd I'd way rather have a class planned out to teach. And like for a few different reasons, right? You can obviously teach class on the fly and that, but I, I find that if I walk away from a class, I just try to to teach on the fly. I'm leaving out one or two little details that I would have when when I'm driving home. I'm like, oh, I should have showed them just that little detail. You know what I mean? And then that that would bug me a little bit. Like I was like, oh, you know, if I seen them again, I'd probably say to them, oh, look, remember we did that class or whatever. Like a little detail there, I want to show you. It's just the type of person I am, or whatever. But that's why I'd rather have it like a wrote down, and then I'm like. Right. This is this is the plan of the class. This is the the objective, and this is the detail that I really want them to get, rather than just going and teaching just random moves. And that, and that's all right as well. And maybe everyone maybe everyone else enjoys the or enjoys the class. But for me, I just want to make sure I give give it a hundred percent. You know, and I and I do it the best of my ability, and I find the best way of doing that is writing it down. Yeah, it's like like you said, yeah, like the, the person in the class might not even have known you were going on the fly, but just you you'll have known, and you it won't have been as good as you feel you could it could have been. Yeah, you know, I feel like I'm letting myself down as a coach and that, so I'd way rather just have, just be prepared. You know, I always teach, I feel I teach better classes and sessions when I'm prepared and I know what I'm teaching or teaching. And even like, 
I find that like writing something down, whether I'm like studying technique or, or anything that, like that for myself, I find when I write it down, it becomes a physical thing. And a lot of the time, just the way my brain works, if I write something down, a lot of time I don't even need to look back over. It just, it's, it sticks in my brain for whatever reason, just a, um, a lot a lot easier than it would is if, if I just watched hours of tape or watched hours of fights and matches and, you know, tech, technical instruction. If I write it down, then I just, I can kind of get it. Or it might, I might maybe read over it once or twice and then I just kind of have it in my brain. So, um, especially for when I'm learning new technique for myself, you know. And so like with the gym, I know you've mentioned like obviously COVID has changed some things. Have you been able to, are you having any classes or any sessions running at the moment, like for your members? Or is uh, it completely so stopped? we're, yeah, we're kind of we're semi-opened in the sense that like we have um we we have like a, a fitness area where we have like you know squat racks and you know pull-up bars and uh, assault bikes and rowers and all that type of stuff and kettlebells. So you know under the guidelines now we're we're allowed to do individual training. So the lads are allowed to go in. They have their own section that and then just go in, just do their own program. Maybe some of the lads are on their own strength conditioning program and that's so they can kind of do that. And then we have like a, a another area we call it the gorilla pit. It's uh, so we have the main mat, the fitness area, and then we have the gorilla pit. So the gorilla pit is basically a, a big area where we we built a rock climbing wall. I built it. Well, when I say I built it, I did the donkey work with one of uh, one of the purple belts in the gym. He, he's a, like he's an excellent carpenter, and I just kind of laboured for him. And we put up a deadly rock climbing wall, like it's class. We painted it grey and the whole lot. And uh, so basically, in the gorilla pit, you have the rock climbing wall. We have we have the octagon, and then we have a big mat space, and then we have loads of boxing bags and that. For lads to go in and work away and we have them spaced uh, i think they're about three meters apart we kind of move them around a little bit so uh, there's loads of rooms there for lads to go in and just tip away on the bag and book in for a session and, and do that type of stuff maybe climb the wall or you know do a bit of mobility or whatever it is they want to do so um even with the the kids and teens program one of our coaches uh jack he, he's very good he's, he's a perfect bag under me he teaches the um uh the 10 to 12 year olds oh no uh, the teenagers sorry so we are club is broke up it's four to six years of age is spider monkeys seven to nine is chimpanzees ten to twelve is gorillas and then twelve plus is uh, silverbacks so he teaches the silverbacks but he did some kind of like movement drills with them yesterday where they're in their own sections and that but um, he's breaking down tape he has a projector of like say matches and fights and that so he breaks down you know it could be maybe for example like just just, just say he was teaching like a I know he was doing a thing on guard retention so to stop someone from passing your guard in jiu-jitsu or MMA. So he was showing them tape on that through a projector and the, and the kids loved it, you know, which was a great idea. You know, and then one of our other coaches, she was teaching the uh, smaller kids. They did, did like a fitness workout with them, did some movement uh, stuff with them. Obviously, it's individual uh, stuff. And uh, then she got them to do like a little bit of uh, yoga and meditation at the end, you know, which they kind of enjoyed. You know, they're all kind of doing their own thing, but they're in their own little sections and that, you know, so. Yeah, but yeah, it's. But that could all change next week or the following week. It looks like that you know they're on about even just seeing like I haven't been like following numbers too intensely or anything like that. Just from what I'm hearing from my partner, and that doesn't seem too good. And it looks like just a few counties gone into full lockdown and that. So I suppose we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But look, all you can do is take one day at a time, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's the way we've been. It, like in our in our club, like like we're lucky enough now. We we do have our own. Uh, our own training facility like we're not in a community hall or anything like that you know like it, when we first came back it was like we were start we were started with deta- like pods of 10 or whatever and it was like oh great yeah well it was like oh this isn't great jesus hopefully now in the next couple of weeks we'll get to go back to something normal and then when we thought that we were going to go forward we ended up going back where it was okay, very same 
Now we can have yeah. pods of six. And then it's like, you're thinking about the pods of six, thinking, Jesus, I wonder will we get to go back to the 10. And then we yeah. just... With the, they're knocking you back again it's like every time you think Mad. you're going forward you're knocked back it's um yeah it's hard isn't it like cause, uh, especially you know even with yourself and everyone else that, that trains whether it's martial arts or sport or whatever that's like for, for me anyway and I was doing for a lot of lads even lads that I coach and that like um, you know that's that's your release like that's your that's your thing that kind of balances you out each day that's the thing that kind of stops you like maybe feeling you know depression or anxiety or you know and I know I know this like people kind of get, you know, mental health and that is thrown around a lot lately, you know, over the last few years and everything else. But it, it like, it really is true. Like, like if, if you don't have training and that, and you don't have, like, say, your tribe or your community around you, you feel different. I know I feel different, even for me. Like, I get to see some of the lads and that, you know, it's like, even like uh, over the last couple of weeks and that, but not the way, not the way it was, like, say, in February or March or anything like that, where the gym was packed and buzzing and then you'd have a bit of crack in the gym and, you know, you'd all be training away and, you know, slagging each other and you know just just you, you you like you nearly took it for granted that would always be there you know so whenever it does come back um i think like a lot of people have a bigger appreciation for it now i know that like as humans and that like we we forget easy as well you know there was this thing in, like uh, in that first big lockdown we had i noticed that like with myself and even just a few of my friends and that you know everyone was trying new stuff and everyone was just trying to get by and keep their mind occupied and everything else. And, you know, you're kind of, you could see that people like had nearly like a new lease of life in the sense that they felt like, they, like I know for me anyway, I felt that like, you know, you're kind of, you get caught up in the rat race a little bit, you know, and then when you had that lockdown, it kind of slowed you down and made you kind of reflect or assess like, you know, where, you know, maybe the things that you're doing right or the things that maybe you could have been doing better on that. But then what I noticed was a few months after that lockdown, people just kind of went back to, some people just went back to the way they were. You know what I mean? So we do forget easy as well, you know, but uh, for me anyway, I'll, I'll try, I'll try whatever I've learned in these lockdowns and this year and I'll try to carry it forward to next year and, you know, hopefully the, the, the next few years, but hopefully, um, you know, hopefully there is a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel and this time next year it might be a, a different conversation we're having. Yeah. Like that, even, like you said, even just something small, like it was it, like the amount of people that you saw at the start, I felt like out walking, out running, that road exercising and it, it was yeah. great, it's great to see. But the thing is, yeah, how many people have kept that going forward? How many people did it? Hundred percent. Because yeah, uh, try. I can only get out of the house for the thirty minutes. I can only go to like. So how many people are just making use of that time? And now that like when that when it was opened up and free, how many people kept it up? It would have been great if they. Yeah, could yeah. so true. Could, yeah, it's easy to stay motivated for a couple of weeks, a couple of months. Like you know yourself from from training that like how many people like drop off from martial arts and that was probably like thousands that go in through the the, the gym doors over years and that you know that don't stay. You know, and um, it's the same with anything. You know, people, people. I think a lot of people like people. A lot of people want to want to be in shape or want to be a champion or want to be, you know, fill in the blank, be able to play guitar, or be able to sing or, or or act or whatever it might might be. But a lot of people don't want to put in the hours. You know, they like they 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 want the end result now. You know, they want they want the five minute abs. You know, that's that's the culture that we live in. Five minute abs, and then there's someone selling four minute abs. And, this type of stuff, like, you know, like abs takes, looking, I don't know, years, to, you know, I'm going to use this as an example, but you know, it takes, it takes consistency every day, you know, with your diet and with your training and everything else, you don't just wake up one morning and have, say, abs, for example, you know, it's the same with anything, it's the same, same with learning the guitar, you know, you learn like a, you learn a chord and then you learn another chord and then eventually you're able to put like a, you know, a few bits and pieces together. I use the same, same example for jiu-jitsu when people come to the gym 
in the sense that a beginner come in and they'd say, you know, because jiu-jitsu is so foreign to people, especially if you haven't watched the UFC or, 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 or grappled or done any type of grappling and that. Um, it's so foreign to people. But the, the analogy that I use is, um, like, it's like learning a new language, jiu-jitsu is. Like, so you come to the gym, you learn a word, then you learn another word, and eventually you're able to put a sentence together. And then before you know it, you're able to speak the language. You know, and, and I think it's just like, uh, yeah, a lot of people f- forget that. You know, you have to put in the work and stay consistent every day. And, and you know, it, it's easily distracted with social media and that. You know, one day someone wants to be ripped. The next day someone wants to be big. Then they want to be like a gymnast. And then they want to be a fighter and that. So, you know, there's so much information and so much content thrown in your face. I think people just run around and, and don't know what, what to be. Yeah. It's, like or, or who to be even. Yeah. Like I said, like it's hard. It can often, like when you're learning one letter at a time, it can be hard to see where that fits into the big picture. You know? like Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so so then when did, like, when you stopped competing in MMA, was there a particular reason why you stopped competing in MMA or was it just you kind of were more in love with jiu-jitsu and you wanted to pursue that? Uh, it was co- like a, a couple of different things. I just felt that, like, um, for me, it was, it was funny with, with jiu-jitsu and that I didn't even, like, I never thought of myself of, as being, like, good at jiu-jitsu or anything like that. I just thought, like, I just, you know, you'd have that typical kind of Irish mentality where it'd be like, uh, you know, if you'd win a, win a tournament or something like that doing jiu-jitsu, it'd be, you'd be like, Asher, I only won that because such and such wasn't there. I only won that because there was only six in my division. Or, Asher, that's only that competition. Or, you know, then I'd you know, go to England and do well over there. And I'd be like, ah, yeah, but sure. You know, it, just, it was just that, like, Irish mentality. And I just, I never really, I never, it was funny. Jiu-jitsu was kind of like a weird one for me. So, kind of, I just kind of felt that, like, uh, with, with jiu-jitsu and that just kind of clicked, as in, like, I just knew I enjoyed it, you know, and, and MMA and that I felt like I probably put, like, a bit too much pressure on myself, and I probably was that person that was trying to rush and trying to get to the top without, like, putting in the, the groundwork and that, and not, not for maybe, like, obviously for fault of my own, but not, not for, you know, maybe because we were back, it was the early days and no one knew you know, what was going on and you're thrown into different fights and that type of stuff. But I just felt that when I was doing jiu-jitsu, I just kind of like, I got it, you know. And then and then with, with jiu-jitsu, competing at a high enough level in jiu-jitsu, I still able to coach. Where I found that when I was doing uh, MMA and that, it really kind of took away from my, my uh, coaching. So that was a bit, that was one of the big reasons as well. I just felt that um, when I was doing MMA, I had to be more selfish, you know, as in, in the sense that like, and you have to be because like it's, it's a, you know, it's a tough sport and that, and you have to be all in. And if you're not all in, you're going to meet someone like the other side of the cage that, that's all in, that, you know, doesn't have a club, that doesn't have that much distractions. And the only thing that they have is the will to win, you know, to feed their family or to get to the top. So, you, like, you have to be all in, you know, in a sense. So I just felt like when I was coaching and trying to run a club, it was hard to be all in uh, with MMA. Now, back back then, I didn't. Pro- we probably didn't have the level that we have now in the club. You know, and, and that's true, obviously, like, you know, um, just years of training and, and lads showing up each day. Like, we have a great standard in the club now. But, um, yeah, so, so back then I was kind of more, I suppose, hands-on as a coach. And I still am now, but I have a lot, I have a lot, a lot we have a lot more classes now and we have a lot more coaches teaching as well. So it's not just me. I'm not the only jiu-jitsu coach or whatever I'd say. Back in the day, I used to, do, like, teach the fitness class, teach the MMA class, teach kids class, teach the jiu-jitsu class, you know, teach striking class. You know, and I was I was literally just being like I was burning the candle at both ends, but uh, yeah. So jujitsu just kind of, kind of felt natural for me. I was just kind of always nearly putting myself down in the sense that I was like, ah, oh, yeah, sure. Like he, 
he did, he didn't show up to the tournament. That's the only reason I won that. And then one day I realized that, all right, you're actually you are actually like decent at this. Do you know what I mean? You're actually you're doing all right. Like you you won like like look at the like I don't know what the reason was that I looked back and I was like you won all those tournaments or you or you did you you beat that lad or you beat this lad and this kind of stuff. And I was like you know like you're good at this. Do you know? And then that was just kind of that was the start of it for me. So from like purple belt onwards. Um, I was like, right, you know, you you can you can you can do well in this, you know, because the more the more I travelled and that, the more I realised that, and I still had the same mentality. Like, I I only did well with him because you know whatever blah blah blah. But God, I was lucky enough to be able to travel around the world, you know, Thailand and America, and you know, over the UK and Iceland and a few different places and train in, in, in different gyms and some of the top gyms in America and that, and I was able to kind of do all right when I was out training there. And I know I was only training that, but for me, I was like, I'm just this Irish lad, you know, from. Tullamore or wherever and I'm able to I'm able to do alright with some of these lads do you know what I mean so maybe I will kind of keep pursuing this and keep working hard and you know and that was it so then I just kind of I just kind of pursued the jiu-jitsu and, and coaching kind of a route and that's that's the route I'm down at the moment I still get the itch to come back and do MMA like I was literally doing MMA rounds a few weeks ago when we were, when we were allowed to I jumped in with a couple of the MMA lads in the gym and I did it like a few rounds and I did like six five minute rounds one night one of the lads and then the next day, then I did like another five fives with some of the, or, or was it three minute rounds? Maybe it was three minute rounds then the next day with some of the amateurs in the gym and that. And I really enjoyed just kind of training and doing some MMA rounds with them and that. And they obviously enjoyed doing some rounds with, with their coach, trying to trying to beat me up and that type of stuff. So, but um, yeah, no, like I, I still get the itch, especially when I go to the big shows and I, and I corner some lads at, whether it's Bellator or, you know, any, any of those big shows like that, I, I, I get the itch and that, you know, so I think that'll just always be there anyway. Yeah. And have you pros coming out of your own gym, like, like that fight on Bellator? Have you, are they coming yeah. out of your Well, like, well, we have the likes of like Charlie Ward trains with us, um, you know, so he, he, he does most of his training with us and, and we have like the likes of like Will Flory that comes down from SVG Dublin that trains with us and, you know, we have a few other pros yeah. that actually come in and train to work their grappling like we had uh, John Phillips came in there recently to to do some grappling and that was and um, you know so you get you get a few different we have a few different lads you know coming in and out and that type of stuff and then we have like a, a good amateur team which is the amateur you're probably not really going to see much of this year because of um, you know everything that's going on but the lads have been kind of working away you know throughout the whole year they've been whether they're allowed to train together or not they were doing something you know they were doing strength conditioning or when they're allowed to meet up they meet up and train and and everything else so um yeah between between jiu-jitsu and mma like we we have a, we have a solid team and hopefully when things uh, come back to normal we have a couple of lads that are ready to turn pro you know so but uh, look that that all depends on you know how, how long we're going to be like this as well but yeah uh yeah, we we've, we've a few good lads that compete on bellator and that train in the gym yeah, so, so now when you, when you graded to black belt, what was was the what you expected because i've heard a couple of times that you know guys have just kind of arrived to the gym and uh it's kind of your grade. Your grading today was that kind of did that happen to you, or did you go into the into the grading essentially knowing you were grading? No, I didn't know I was gonna. I didn't know I was gonna get it. So I was um, every year. There's a there's a an SBG camp. So that's where all the SBGs around the world and that meet. And like I said, I do the European camp, which is held in uh, John's place in in SBG HQ. And uh, I went up one Friday evening and. Uh, I was at uh, well, I was in early. I'd always like to go in early anyway, and just you know, chat the lads and get a bit of mobility and stretching up before you jump into sessions and that. 
and there was a couple of seminars going on like that. That's the way the, that's the way the, uh, the the camps worked. Like so, John, John was teaching seminar, and then Matt Thornton was teaching a seminar, and another Matt, Matt Matt's the uh, founder of SBG. And uh, then that weekend, uh, like normally at the SBG camps, I teach. I'd have a couple of seminars that I teach as well. So I was meant to be teaching on the Saturday morning. So I was up there on the Friday evening in John's place, and uh, basically, I was uh, just kind of just training away and that, and then. John's like uh, brought us all in at the end, at the end of the seminar, and he was saying that you know he handed out one black belt and then he handed out another black belt. And I, I knew, I knew like uh, there were so many people in in the at my uh, or telling me when I was a brown belt that oh you're a black belt, so look at these black belts that you're beating. Are oh, you you you're getting your black belt? You know you're getting your black belt. And this was like being told to me for like two years, and it's probably the worst thing that could happen because. Yeah, you're kind of you nearly expect it then in a sense, but then that night I honestly genuinely wasn't expecting it, and I don't know if it was because I was a little bit more mature. I was just like concentrating on competing at brown belt, but I wasn't like I honestly wasn't expecting it. And then when John basically I was the last person to get the black belt, so he handed out two that night. Uh, I'm John's thirteen uh, black belt. Um, I think he's handed out like maybe fifteen or sixteen or something like that in total. And um, but he, yeah. So at the end, he basically just said, he said, look, this man has gone on a, on a tear on the competition uh, scene, and you know this and that, my brother. And I kind of had a feeling it was me. And then then he said my name, and you know, I was uh, I was delighted to get it, but it was kind of at the same time, like you know, honoured to get it. And you know, I put in so much work. It was like ten plus years to get the, the jujitsu black belt and that. But um, at the same time, there was this, like a small bit of sadness in the sense that I was like, this was the goal. This is what I was chasing. You know, and it, and it it took me it took me maybe six months to a year to as a black belt to go right. You're only you're really only getting started now. Now you're going to start learning. You know, I'm a black belt two years this month. Um, I got my I got my brown belt actually four years ago. Um, yesterday, so four years ago yesterday I got my brown belt, and then two years later, um, I got I got my black belt. So I wasn't a brown belt for for too long. I was a purple belt for about five five and a half years which kind of stood to me uh, when I went into brown and black because I got them a lot quicker. But, um, yeah, I just, I, that actually that night he, he gave me the belt and then, you know, I was delighted and everything else. And then the next day I, I went back up to John's and I taught a seminar and then he arranged especially for me to do an Ironman. So an Ironman in SVG is basically where you have to, like, roll or spar, depending, you know, so rolling is basically uh, the jiu-jitsu version of sparring uh, against all your teammates. So, 80, 80 people showed up to my Ironman and uh, I had to roll every single one of them from white to black belt and but I was very lucky I got to do that in my own gym and that was done on the Monday night in my own gym so basically for that I didn't uh, you have to wear the you know the, the gi and that when you're when you're getting graded in jiu-jitsu you can obviously compete in no gi if you want but um, yes yeah, so I, I wore the gi but I didn't wear the black belt I just kind of hung it up on top of the cage and then I just rolled from white to white to black belt with 80 people uh, to submission and uh, yeah and then tied the back belt down on the end so it was really nice but um, but, but when, I, when I did get it like in a sense that I, it wasn't it wasn't like a complete shock to me because I felt that like right, obviously I, I was very grateful and everything but I felt that like I earned it through hard work and I, I earned it through ups and downs and beating some of the best lads like say around Europe and that and I felt as a brown belt you know taking out some good black belts and that so I felt that like a, I worked for it you know I wasn't I wasn't given it and I'm very grateful and everything that I, that I was able to achieve in that. But I honestly believe that it only starts now for me. Now I'm really only starting to understand, you know, like the 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 stuff that, you know, the, the small things that people don't see. I'm really starting to understand. I'm excited to 
to see what I'm going to learn in the next few years as a black belt. You know, because in, in five, six, seven years' time, you know, when I'm still a black belt, I know I'm going to be even better, as, especially like uh, as a coach. You know, I'm going to know a lot more. I'm going to understand the why a lot more of techniques, you know, rather than just, you know, just the, the people that every, or the thing that everyone sees, you know. I suppose that even happened. I think that kind of can potentially happen a lot is like you said, like when you achieve your goal, like your goal was to be a black belt. Other goals for other people could be maybe could be to win a certain tournament, could be to be a world champion. And then when you like when you achieve that, it can be a hard reset of where yeah. do you go from there? Like, because sometimes it can feel like you like you've completed it, you know. But hundred percent, yeah. It takes some time to refocus and and find that new goal. And like you said, now you found the new like it's like the journey is only starting again. Yeah, like uh, even the the last Polaris event I did like a, a few weeks ago, like uh, obviously like training that was very strict and dieting the whole lot. And uh, then after it, when it was done, I was like, I just felt a little bit lost in the sense that like, it t- like uh, after like a week or so, I was like, I'm bored now. I've nothing to prepare for. Do you know what I mean? I just felt like, because I'm not, I'm not coaching in the gym because of everything that's going on. So I, I'm, I'm training a couple of times a day, but there's only so many times you can train. And there's only so much like, matches and fights that you can watch you know what I mean and I, I do watch a good bit I watch hours of it and that like say most days but then I just felt like a little bit bored like I didn't have like a goal to, to work towards in a sense and then I got like a I got an offer the other day to take like a, a jump in on a, a big kind of tournament or match which is going to be a you know straight into a big audience and that uh, which I think they'll be announcing fairly soon so then that just kind of like pumped me back up again and I was like right now we're back in tra- not like you're back in kind of competition mode again. You know, the diet's back on track and, you know, I'm starting to train a little bit more intense and everything else and get ready, ready for this competition in, in, a, in a few weeks' time. And do you, do you, would you train mostly no gi or, or gi or do you have that, or do you have a balance? Do you, do you still train? Uh, in, if, I, if, I had, if I didn't have a competition coming up, I'd train. Uh, it'd be it'd be fairly fairly balanced. Maybe leaning a little bit more towards nogi because uh, you know from the MMA background and everything else, I, I, like I really enjoy nogi. I love training in the gi. Um, over the last few years, I've had like a you know when you kind of do super fights in jiu-jitsu where they like match like say one lad say I don't know say from Ireland against another lad from the UK or something. Um, like that was mostly done in nogi because like the kind of thing behind. Gi and nogi is uh, nogi's meant to be more ex- more exciting as in you know it's kind of faster pace and everything else. Now gi can be very exciting depending on the athletes and that, that you get as well. But um, if I'm if I'm closer to a competition, then I don't then I don't put on the gi unless I'm teaching. You know, so if I'm getting ready for for a nogi competition, then I'm just gonna wear uh, nogi stuff unless I'm teaching in the gi. And then like uh, if I'm getting ready for a gi competition. I'll obviously, I won't do, uh, I'll do very little, if, if any, nogi, you know. So, um, yeah, the, the game for me, gi and nogi doesn't change too much. Obviously, the grips and that are a little bit different and that, so it just takes a while to kind of adjust it. And obviously, now, these days, you have, like, specialists. You have some lads that just do nogi and lads that just do the gi. You know, I try, I've competed a lot more in nogi, but um, I, I definitely enjoy training and competing. In the gi, it's just the offers I've got and the different kind of matches now over the years have mostly been no gi matches, so it's, it was very hard turning down. Yeah, and I, I would you look to compete like obviously been on Polaris? Would you look to maybe compete on one of like, the tournaments like AD is it ADCC or yeah, ADCC? So that's that's my uh, that's that's my main my main focus at the moment. So, my well, until this uh match kind of got uh, 
uh, offered to me the other day uh, was basically when I when I finished that Polaris competition, I was basically right now the main because I hadn't I did I thought there was going to be no other competition for me this year because none of the big I thought the big tournaments were kind of done or the big uh, you know the ones on fight pass and this type of stuff they were done I wasn't going to get another shot this year. So I was like, right, now you're preparing for ADCC. So basically the way to do it is there's ADCC European trials. And I've competed in them like the last year up in Poland. I did, I did all right in them. Like I got a couple of wins and then I lost one then by two points to, to a really a really good lad. His name's Oscar Piaciotta. He's a, a Polish black belt. He's a UFC middleweight at the moment. And uh, he, he's been in ADCC before and he's beat the ADCC absolute champion. So, And I felt very good against him. And uh, I kind of uh, just a uh, takedown lost me the match, but um, yeah, look, it is what it is. I learned, and I, and I felt that like uh, after competing with someone like at that level, I was like, yeah, do you know what? Not only do I belong here, I can beat these lads. Like my whole thing before was nearly like um, I'd always say, uh, like, uh, oh, I can hang with these lads, or I can I can do well with these lads. And I was like, over the last couple of years, I was like, you know what? Fuck that! Stop saying that! Like, stop saying you can hang with these lads and you can compete with these lads. You can beat these lads. You know what I mean? Because it's a mindset. You're nearly there. You're nearly there to just make up the numbers, or nearly there to just go. Oh, I did well, or he didn't get me. And I was like, No, you you are. You've known this for years. You know, you you you're good enough to beat these lads. You know what I mean? These lads have to. These lads have to prepare for you. Do you know what I mean? Like you've developed a skill where you know, without sounding cocky or anything like that, but you you put the work in, you put the time in, just as much, if not more, than these lads. You know what I mean? Just because they're Instagram famous or YouTube famous doesn't make them any better than you are. But um. Yeah, so that's what I've kind of learned from that. But yeah, that's that's my main focus is to do the European trials whenever they open back up. They were meant to be in Moldova in October, and then they moved them to Poland. But now it looks like Poland isn't going ahead this year. So uh, hopefully, maybe first quarter next year or first half next year, we'll uh, we'll get the trials. But um, and if if you if you win the trials, then you go to the ADCC Worlds, which is which is massive, you know. So. I think maybe it was, do you think it was maybe that Irish mentality you were carrying even into that like you can like oh, I can hang with these guys like, yeah like, like you had before it was still carrying over yeah hundred percent like basically like you know I don't know if it's from like you know growing up in the country or it's just like the the Irish mentality or you know growing up in a council estate or whatever you know it's just kind of like you're you know it's always that thing about like be humble and you know don't don't be you know don't be cocky and this and that but I I don't even think that you have to be cocky in in martial arts or anything like that but. You definitely have to have confidence and you have to have confidence in, in whatever you do, you know, because if you're not confident, then, you know, what's the point of doing it in, in, in the first place? But I just think it's just been hardwired in us, like a lot of us as Irish people. Do you know what I mean? Especially like, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe stemming from the years of like the Catholic church and the, you know, in a sense, you know, the way, like I know the way my granny and granddad and that used to be. And, you know, it was the whole thing was like, you know, it was that remember years ago it was kind of like a little kid should be seen, not heard type thing. And you know, uh, and like say your granny and granddad would, would be afraid that the the fucking the, the priest or the guard or the doctor or something would find out their business or you know, whatever it might be, that type of stuff. So I'd say that's kind of like hardwired in as a some way. You know, it definitely is maybe through me or something like that. I don't know, don't know what it is, but you know, obviously I, I want to like remain humble because that's that's who I am, but. You know, at the end of the day, you need confidence to win these competitions, and I, and I am confident. And when I do step onto the mat and I do my thing, like I'm 100% confident that you know I'm gonna I'm gonna give it 100%. And you know, if I, if I get the win, great. And if I don't, well, then I'll learn and I'll go back to the drawing board. You know, but yeah, you have to be confident. And if you're not, you have to develop confidence. You know. 
and uh, which would you be in the same weight class as like so is a guard uh, like so of Gordon Ryan and and that Gordon Ryan's one up above me, thank God. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's actually two. What is he? He's one or two weight class above me. Yeah. So at the moment I'm uh, ninety kilos. I'll compete in the eighty-eight division in in ADCC, and then I think there's a ninety-nine, and then there's like a plus ninety-nine or something like that. You know. So I had a I had two choices a year ago. I was like about 80, 85 kilos, give or take, like morning weight. And uh, I used to be a bit heavier, but like just with all the training and that, like obviously you lose a little bit of weight and, you know, under-eating and nearly over-train. But I met a lad uh, last year, his name is Tristan Kennedy. He's a he's a diet nutritionist for Conor McGregor and that. And he, he basically kind of took me on and he, and he does my diet nutrition and he's unreal. But, um, but when we first met, the choices I had for ADCC, because this has been the goal the last couple of years, and especially more so in the last year and that, uh, where I feel that like I have a good chance of doing well in it. Um, he said to me, look, would you rather go down in weight? So I'm at 85 kilos. Would you rather go down to 77 or would you rather like build up to 90 and be able to like cut down to 88? And, I, and I've done, I've fought like and competed in different tournaments, whether it was MMA or Jiu-Jitsu, and cutting weight is never fun. You know, like you, you just do it and that's that's it and whatever else. But me walking around at like 77 or 78 kilos, I'd be miserable. You know, I love food and I have a big appetite and everything else. So it was a no-brainer for me to kind of move up in weight but not move up in weight class. Does that make sense? So I would have been like a bit heavier for my – for my. Uh, I would have been at the heavier end of the scale for my weight class rather than the lighter end. Like last year when I weighed in for the ADCC trials, I weighed in at like 84 kilos or something like that that morning. And there's lads like cutting from 95 to make 88, you know. Now strength was never an issue or anything like that with, with me or anything like that. But it does it does make a difference to have uh, like a little bit of weight on your side, you know. A few extra kilos does make a difference whether it translates through, I don't know, punching power or even more so with grappling, you know. That extra bit of heavy weight in that in certain positions that makes a difference. So uh, yeah, I, I I started working with Tristan about a year ago, and he has me up to 90 kilos now. So when we do get to the ADCC trials will just be like an easy little cut. I'll, I'll I'll cut two kilos and then I'll be good to go. Yeah, and the plan isn't to go up any further than that. The plan is to stay around ninety. He he wants me to kind of maybe get to. His goal is um, I met him out in Milan a couple of weeks ago when we were when we were at Bellator and that he was working with a load of the fighters and I was chatting there. He his plan was for me to go up like just keep keep putting on a bit of size. Till Christmas, you know, so try to get up uh, an extra, uh, you know, two kilos or a kilo or so. And he said, when January comes around, then what we'll do is we'll try, we'll we'll have you walking around at like a, this is his words, not mine now, but it does sound great. He said, we'll have you walking around at a shredded 90, you know, which would be great, you know. So shredded 90 or 88 would be great, you know. So that, And look, I trust him. He's he, like, he's, he's a master's degree in... Um, Diet and nutrition. I think he got his his, uh, his master's degree in Trinity and that. So he, he knows his stuff and and even more so, like he's very good at like explaining it, like in layman's terms. And he's very good at explaining why rather than just telling you what to do as well. You know, and he's easy to get on with and that as well. So, um, but yeah, that's that's the plan anyway. I try just keep keep kind of put on a little bit of size, just clean as I can till uh, till Christmas and then after Christmas all gone well. If I have still have to weigh on and that, then cut just a small bit. You know. So he's letting you have a good Christmas. <laughs> Let me have a good Christmas, yeah. But um, I don't mind much. Winter and well, I think it's called, is it? Winter and well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't really mind at the moment because, like, uh, like the calories that he has me on is huge. Like, I'm on like just uh, shy of five thousand calories. 
each day. You know, which is a good. It's a good bit, especially clean calories. Um, so like when, when I when he does take me down, you know, a few calories and that. Like even like if he brings me down to I don't know four and a half or four thousand calories, still getting a decent amount of meals. You know, and a decent or a lot of food and that into me. But um, because I burn so much calories and that, like uh, I'm still gonna lose weight. You know, it's kind of obvious anyway. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, you know, if I if I drop down to just say, for example, the number is four thousand calories, which it wouldn't be that much of a drop. But if it was, you know, you're obviously gonna, you're obviously gonna lose weight. But there, I suppose, there's a sweet spot where you're gonna lose weight and still be able to perform and stay healthy and not get sick and all that. So that's that's why I kind of leave the numbers now up to him because he knows what he's doing. Yeah. It definitely seems like that, like, like a lot of the top guys, MMA guys, like in Ireland, are by Instagram. He's working with all the top guys. He is the main go-to. Yeah, right? he is. Yeah, he's very good, and he, and he's very approachable as well. And, and he's just like one of the lads, you know what I mean? But he's just like, he's a genius when it comes to uh, diet and nutrition. I know that word gets thrown around a good bit, and and that, but like he he really is. He's he's uh, there's a reason why all the lads are working with him. You know, he's easy to get on with as well. Yeah. So I suppose actually just before we finish up, I uh, I tend to finish up with the question of uh, if you had to pick a favorite fighter, who would you pick? It could be a jiu-jitsu fighter, it could be a boxer, it could be MMA, but any fighter in any sport, if you had to pick a favorite to watch, yeah. who would you pick? Um, favorite to watch, uh, like if, if I'm going to go, I, I could probably do a couple of different ones. Like I, I like boxing would have been Tyson. You know, I, I was a Mike Tyson fan. I used to watch a Tyson fight. Uh, my dad used to wake us up. He used to be a doorman and that in London and even in Ireland for a while. And then he'd wake us up when he'd come in from the doors. And, uh, he, you know, we'd, me and my brother not only be young lads, but I remember waking up for a Mike Tyson fight. It could be three or four in the morning, you know, when I was a young lad. And that. Uh, so it'd be Tyson for for uh, for boxing. Uh, for maybe MMA, there's a, there's a load for MMA for me, but one that stands out, I really like GSP. I like He's, I like his, you know, his, his, I like his mannerism. I like it, like you know, he's humble and you know everything he's done in the sport and that. You know, there's loads of different lads I like for different reasons and that. Uh, yeah, GSP would be one one for MMA and then for Jiu Jitsu, one of the lads that's kind of inspired me from from the beginning and had a big big influence on my game is uh, Marcelo Marcelo Garcia. So Marcelo Garcia is like a nine time world champion. Uh, you know, very humble and hard working. And I was lucky to I've trained with him a few times out in New York City and that. So. Um, you know, he's a beast and he's kind of won everything in that. So, yeah, Jiu-Jitsu, Marcelo, boxing, Mike Tyson and MMA, George St. Pierre. Ah, nice. So, some good picks there. I definitely have, the GSP would definitely be my favourite in MMA. And, yeah, I think, like you said, a humble, like, I think he kind of, he kind of, I suppose you could say, like, he, he represents everything, I suppose, that a, a, a high level. He represents martial arts well. You know, yeah, the same as Damien Maya and that, you know, they're, they're, they kind of, they haven't lost it. The, the the martial arts side of thing and I know it's I know it's a fight and I know it's MMA and that but it's it's still cool to see like you know the the, the martial arts side of it you know you've got even the likes of like Wonderboy Thompson and you know you, there's a few different lads and, and there's respect there all and even Khabib Khabib is a great example as well you know he's very respectful and and everything else and then um, you know because that can get I think that can get lost uh, especially in the last few years with you know like social media and 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 everything else you know everyone everyone's mad to get Instagram famous and you know everyone's mad to you know talk shit and this type of stuff but I suppose if you just be yourself and that then that shines true so I think like GSP and them are, are trying to be themselves it was like John Jones actually or they are being themselves it's like John Jones like when John Jones was pretend to be sound and pretend to be you know like a choir boy and that everyone was like stop stop you know that that's cringy like just be John Jones the lad that goes you know goes nuts and whatever else and then people like him more because he's just being himself he's the bad boy 
in a sense, you know, rather than just pretend to be, you know, the, you know, just the, the complete opposite to what he is. So, or, you know, if you're if you're if you're trying to fake it, I think it'll just that that'll come out. Yeah, in the in the end, the the fakeness shines through. Like, you'll see through it, like you'll see through it in the end. But uh, yeah, look, I think we will leave it there. Um, thanks, Milan, for coming on. Really enjoyed the chat. Really enjoyed hearing your story. I think that's a fantastic oh, story about, about how about the gym and how you got got it from where it started to where it is. I think that's a great story. Thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it and uh, enjoyed chatting to you. And hopefully, we'll be able to do it again uh, after COVID and and everything else, and and things will be different. Yeah, definitely. Hopefully, like like you said, that's your, your gym and that gets back up to normal and classes get back to normal soon. Deadly. Thanks very much for having me on. Yeah, take care. All the best, man. Oh, no, no butter. Cheers.